You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James. And welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking with executive coach and author Angie Morgan, co-owner of the leadership development firm, Weedstar. On today's episode, we're going to be talking with Angie about demystifying leadership and how we can reimagine leadership as a combination of character, commitment, and action. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Angie Morgan. Hey, thank you so much, Teresa, for allowing me to be a guest today. Well, I'm super excited to hear about how we're going to demystify leadership. But before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah, I I think we'll go right back to the beginning of the journey, Um, not too far back, but uh, when I was in college at the University of Michigan, I decided to go for it. I was going to become a Marine Corps officer, so I enrolled in the Naval Reserve Officer Training Program to go through the process of earning a commission and had a wonderful experience learning how to be a Marine, but more importantly, I had a great experience, you know, graduating going into the Marine Corps and learning how to lead. I think you'd expect Marines to be able to do. And so (laughs) after I left the Marine Corps, I started working in the private sector and just had this realization that obviously things were different. Um, You know, the way that we talk to people in corporate cultures, fortunately, is a little bit more refined. But most importantly, that the way the term leadership was used was very different to what I had experienced growing up in the Marine Corps. In the Marines, everyone learned how to lead, and it was about a verb. It was action and behavior. And then I started working in the private sector where the term leadership often referred to a management team, and leadership and management were used interchangeably as if they meant the same thing, and they don't. It's two completely different skill sets, but leadership was used as a noun, like a place on an organizational chart. And so that was just a real, real surprise. And so I put my head together with a woman I had served with in the Marine Corps. Her name's Courtney Lynch. And this was about 2003 and 2004. And we decided to write a book on leadership called Leading from the Front. That was our first book on leadership from the Marines for women professionals, because most women don't serve um, in the Marine Corps. And they certainly probably wouldn't look to the Marine Corps for leadership inspiration. But that was our journey, like the first step on our journey of demystifying leadership by, in many ways, sharing the skill set with professionals that could help them understand that true leadership isn't about a place on an org chart. It's about influencing and inspiring other people. Influence and inspiration. And anyone can do that, whether you have a title or not. But if you do have a title, of course, that's really important. 
Well, that's an awesome journey. I love it. You are the second guest we've had that has service background that has turned that around uh, into the private sector to take the training that you received and to benefit the private sector. So I think that's awesome. Thank you for your service. And I had a great time. Thanks. (laughs) That's great. And I'm sure you're doing a wonderful service in the corporate world. And let's dive into that. So talk about demystifying leadership. I think you have a great perspective and I can't wait for our listeners to hear it. So let's talk a little bit about about, you know, how conventional leadership, because we talked a little bit about that in preparing for the show. What does it mean to demystify leadership? Let's let's start with that. Often when I go into my client accounts, um, I do consulting and certainly do coaching as well. We hear that our team needs leadership training. What they're typically talking about is that their managers need to be better leaders, or even be better managers for that matter. So this term, again, leadership is often misunderstood. And so we often go into organizations just sharing, like, it's not just your managers. Everybody needs to be a stronger leader. You need to, in many ways, democratize leadership training, because sometimes your frontline employees have the most impact over your customers or your clients, and they need to better understand how to influence and inspire. So not just your managers. Everybody needs to understand that leadership isn't a behavior, you know, somebody gives you. It's actually a title that you can take and own for yourself. And there are behaviors that are right consistent with influencing, inspiring. It's about, you know, being accountable, being able to own your hits and misses, or being credible. You know, we call this phrase at uh, Leadstar, we call like narrowing your say-do gap, like keeping the space between your action and words just as small as possible or being confident, like projecting yourself in a way that, um, you know, helps your decisions that you make carry water or um, even for your, internally too, like thinking you can do something versus you can. So with leading from the front, And with our second book, Spark, we're all about just behaviors that anyone, these are superhuman behaviors that, you know, are only for the privileged. Anybody can lead. They just need to know what it is. And it's it's funny, too. Often in our events or in our coaching work, we ask people to think of, like, the most significant leaders. And they start to, you know, not name, like, big stage or big name people. They talk about a coach or a teacher or a parent or a mentor, you know, things like that. And they start to break down these behaviors like, oh, they were, you know, a great listener. They were very trustworthy. They were very direct and honest. Um, They cared about me. I mean, those aren't superhuman behaviors. Those are leadership behaviors. And so I get really excited talking about this because if more people knew that they could lead by just being genuine and, and confident, then I think we'd have, I mean, this is really like this pie in the sky dream, right? A better world. No, I don't think that's pie in the sky at all. I do think that little by little, it's the little things. I mean, everybody thinks that change comes in great leaps and bounds, and it doesn't. It comes in small steps. And I love the idea that you're talking about leadership across the board, because I do think that, especially in the organization, you know, in the in the world of business, it does become a moniker. And then everybody sort of treats to that moniker. In other words, like you're saying, they get the training. So if you're a leader or if you're considered to be a leader, it's typically limited to a manager, supervisor role. Those people are hopefully fostered and mentored to that leadership role, you know, to filling that leadership role. And everybody else is just kind of left by the wayside to be inspired. But it's the, it's everybody, if everybody took that leadership, that ownership of that 
term, I think you'd see great improvements all through the, you know, for lack of a better word, the ranks or the rank and file, you know, in the workforce. Is is that kind of what you're talking about? A hundred percent. And so rather than wait for somebody to tell you that you're a leader, you can start taking ownership of your opportunities to lead regardless of your role. And I do think, too, in organizations, they invest in the development by the time people get to that managerial role. They'll already know how to lead because that's a common frustration, right, is that we promote individual contributors into positions of management and they don't know how to lead people. Again, two completely different skill sets. And going back to something that you said, I often think a lot in our workplaces, too, we take like really perhaps loud personas and we call those our leaders. But then if we really examine the behaviors that they're displaying, they're not always necessarily the best. And so just because, again, we favor one thing or maybe that one thing is in our face and it's just really loud, that doesn't necessarily mean it's consistent with influencing and inspiring. And that kind of drives me crazy sometimes because they're like, oh, that's the leader of our organization. And it's like, no, 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 that's that's the manager, certainly, but they're not demonstrating behaviors that influence and inspire. And sometimes those are the behaviors that make people shrink and be afraid to be themselves in the workplace. Well, yeah. And impact culture. I think that's, I think that's something people, you know, forget too, because that's a great point. Personality and force of personality doesn't necessarily make an effective leader or someone who can drive your corporate culture. And I think people forget that. We talk about this on the show all the time in various aspects, but this idea of how important culture is um, and culture starts out great, you know, with that entrepreneur attitude and yeah, we're going to, this is how our company is going to be. And it's all great until the company starts to grow. And then you get different input on whose idea of a leader, right? And they don't think about carrying that culture forward. And then all of a sudden you do have a bunch of leaders who are big personalities and not necessarily driving it. They're driving a different culture than the one that was intended, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. And it, you know, you've probably seen it in your workplace and I certainly see it in some of the projects that we work on too, is organizations that are forming. We can have the best, you know, posters related to behavior but if the behavior isn't alive in people's actions, there's just that inconsistency that's really frustrating, which is why so much of our work, we just talk about accountability. So again, the behaviors that allow you to be influential and inspirational aren't always necessarily the ones that, you know, spread sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes you have to have <laughs> difficult conversations, right? Sometimes you have to hold people accountable. We always talk with our work too. Like, you know, we as humans have two fundamental needs. We want to be liked and we want to be respected. But if you lead with wanting to be liked, you're never really going to earn respect because you're going to, you know, shape shift into who people want you to be versus the person that you are. You're going to, you know, maybe not do the right thing. You'll do the popular thing. But if you lead with respect, and again, this is in our work that we write about and, and spark and leading from the front. If you, you know, hold a high stand, you know, hold yourself to a high standard of behavior. So again, are the example. If you're not uncomfortable having those direct conversations when you feel that, you know, what is stated and what is demonstrated is inconsistent, then you put yourself in the position of respect and chances are people are going to like you because I know Teresa, if I were to say like, hey, out of all the people you respect, do you like them too? You'd probably say, yeah. 
but not all the people that you like do you necessarily respect. Yeah, that's an that's an awesome point. And and you're speaking my language. I love talking about the idea that if you're treating people with consideration, respect, you're being honest in those actions, doesn't mean you can't have the tough conversations. It just means you're focused on preserving that workplace relationship, which is going to benefit everybody. And you're right, and drive that drive that leadership, that mentor role uh, in setting that person uh, up to be a success, not only that person, but the people underneath them. So I think that's an, that's an awesome concept. I love it. So if you can believe it or not, we're halfway there. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Angie's going to give us some tips and thoughts on learning how to lead. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12 hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone. Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals, but I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us, like us, give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with author and executive coach Angie Morgan about reimagining the traditional leadership role. So, Angie, what sort of practical tips and thoughts can you share with our listeners? What I've gotten from your conversation is there's kind of two aspects. So those who are in a leadership role, if you could share some tips and thoughts about um, how they might improve their own leadership skills, and then maybe identify and mentor those around them. And then there's the other aspect of just the, you know, our rank and file workers who are out there who just want to be good at what they do, to be inspiring in the roles that they're already in, and maybe what what any tips or thoughts that you have for them as well. Yeah, um, great questions. Because you're right, absolutely. There there are different things when you're leading a team or when you're just leading yourself, and that that people you know want or expect from you, and likewise that you want and expect for yourself. So we'll start with somebody who is you know, has a people manager responsibility, the best thing I can offer is dig in to this concept of service-based leadership. It's a concept that is like fundamentally missed in any business school education you're going to get on how to lead. Um, I know I went to business school and during our leadership courses, I'm like, well, why are we talking about this? It was fundamental to my development of being a leader. And, and quite simply, what it is, is just a healthy reminder that your people don't work for you. You work for them. You have to prioritize their needs. 
You have to know what they need to be successful. And your role is to nurture, empower, grow, and develop them. What was interesting about the Marine Corps is that we had to do this. We had to. We were always training people to take over our role because the true reality in the military environment is that you could get, you know, you could die in the battlefield. Somebody's going to have to pick up your weapon and lead the charge. Right. And that doesn't happen necessarily. <laughs> well, certainly the combat environment doesn't happen in the world, but that doesn't happen. Like people don't think about themselves nurturing and developing as much as they should their team members around them. You must serve them. Let yeah. me ask you about that before you move on. It's something that really struck me when you're talking about that. And the difference between, tell me if it's true, difference between a military mindset and a corporate mindset or a private mindset, ego, right? This idea that you're trained, like you said, somebody's going to take over that position. Like somebody's going to have to do it after you. So you get a little bit of that ego has to change a little bit. How do you handle that in a corporate environment where ego really drives that, that leadership sometimes, the idea that, I don't, I don't know if I can get around the idea that, you know, you're working for me. I'm not working for you. You're working for me. You make me look good. We're all good. How do you, how do you address that sort of mentality? You know, and I think that's part of the beauty of the way the military system is designed is that you can't complete training on your own. Nearly every single obstacle and task is required to be completed by a team. And if you have a strong ego and you can't subordinate it to the team, you're out. They screen for that really fast. Now, that doesn't wow. happen, right, in, in corporate America. And yet you'll see that those people who prioritize the needs of their team and grow and develop, they're probably also doing the same thing for themselves. They're growing and develop their capabilities too, preparing for that next role or making themselves, if they don't want to, you know, advance, but just making themselves secure in their position. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's part of that, you know, shared expectation. I'm developing my team and I'm developing me because I got to be prepared for what's next. That's great. I love it. Listeners, take heart. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's different though, but it's it's this abundant mindset. Like I think sometimes we get into organizations, we think there's only one seat at the table. It's my seat and I'm not going to, and I'm going to die here. <laughs> and it's like, no, there's like 10 more seats around you. There's other seats you can move into. There's other tables that you can go to. There's a plenty of opportunity for you. Don't get so scarce about it. Be, be more abundant and generous with your skills, talents, and wisdom. You know, for individuals, um, and this is, this is a lot of times um, the work that I do with my coaching clients, is helping them get into their own minds and just kind of rewrite their script. I, I think about leadership really is how do you self-actualize? How do you take all your talents and skills and, and, and your personality traits and your self-knowledge on you and harness and challenge it so you can, you know, be confident in who you are and achieve your best. And so, like, rewriting your script, first and foremost, like, wherever you sit in an organization, tell yourself, nobody makes me a leader. <laughs> I make myself a leader. Mm-hmm. I can influence and I can inspire and there's behaviors that I can grow and develop. The second is thinking about the thoughts that hold you back, you know, like I shouldn't be the one to have to do this, or maybe it's not my conversation, or maybe it's not my place, or maybe it's not my job. You know, if you don't do it, who's going to do it? If you're not going to say it, who's going to say it? So be a little bolder, get a little bit more comfortable. You know, leadership is a head game. Like you have to tap into your mind. It's, It's where, you know, you can, you know, your behavior forms. 
And this is possibly one of the ones that I can't reiterate enough. I was talking to this amazing, you know, coaching client the other day. She's a, a scientist, a PhD, just a genius. And she wants to be, and she was asking me to help support her in molding into the favored leadership style in her organization. And she wanted to be this bold, direct person because that's what's popular in their culture. And I just couldn't do it. I'm like, you've got this really cool, smart, wise, soft perspective. And when you speak, there's power. Why would I want to change that? Because if you were that, everyone would see through you. (laughs) So It's getting people more comfortable being themselves. You can't be somebody else. You can try. It's going to take you a lot of energy, but don't do it. Yeah. And you can't, and you just can't sustain it. I mean, trying to be something you're not is one just exhausting. So there's the burnout issue. Um, just, you know, from the stress of having to step out of your box all the time. I mean, stepping out of your comfort zone is great and it is, you know, an awesome way to grow. But if you're running at out of the box 100% all the time, it's just going to be exhausting and you'll fail. You will. And, and most importantly, you'll, you'll fail yourself. You've got, you know, I was listening to the commercial coming into it, like you're, you know, of these people who have stories of resiliency, resiliency, and they've got these amazing talents and skills that if they were just to abandon them, you know, in that part of their life, not bring it with them to work, what what a missed opportunity. What a missed opportunity. Yeah. And I do think it's great to, you know, the more voices at the table and the difference in those voices is of such value. Um, I think it's a short-sightedness in an overall leadership capacity that wants to have to speak with one voice in with one that. way. Yeah. And I remember having um, just a couple mentors in the Marine Corps because it is an organization that's like 175,000 Marines and only 1,000 are female officers. And so I had a mentor who could see, like, I was trying to find my way to fit into this organization. I, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm the type of girl who, where, you know, we called them at the day, back in the day, you know, party pants. I wear high heels. I carry purses. And, you know, I had to wear, you know, uniform to work, but that's what I had to dress for work. I was a different person, you know, on my own time. Right. And just trying to figure out how to fit in. And he's like, well, you're going to fail if you try to fit into this organization because it's just not you. But I discovered <laughs> through time, like, you know, the more confident I was in being me, the more respected and valued I was as a leader. And that was, just refreshing, but it was also really empowering too at that stage of my career. That is really great. Do you find that um, the more you are comfortable with yourself and the more you are comfortable in your role, it impacts the people around you, right? It lets their guards down. It lets their guard down. Absolutely. You know, again, somebody who can, you know, me being me is okay with saying like, I don't know. And if I can say, I don't know, suddenly we're getting somewhere with people. It's making them comfortable saying, gosh, I don't know either. Then like, okay, let's go on this journey together or being wrong, right? If you're trying to build this indefensible, you know, wall where you're never wrong, that's going to cascade around you. You're going to have a bunch of defensive people that you're working around because the penalty for being wrong isn't going to be okay. But when are we ever really right about anything? We work with really smart, talented people having a space and, you know, showcasing through your own example that difference is welcome, different ideas, different personalities, different perspectives. People then suddenly feel safe to be their best. 
Yeah, it's amazing. When I was a young lawyer, um, I was always terrified that, you know, because in my head I'm competing, right, with all these really smart people and and all of these things. And I I would hesitate. I'm a thinker. I like to mm-hmm. think through issues. I want to look at all aspects of it before I make a decision. And as a young lawyer, you're worried that if you don't come up with an answer for the client, like right then and there, they're going to go find a lawyer who's going to do that. So to be able to say, you know, I don't know right now. Let me look at that. Or I want to think about it. Give me an opportunity to think it through. Boy, that took that took going out of my comfort zone a lot. But the more I did it, the more I could see the clients respected that, actually. I had more clients telling me, you know, we really appreciate the fact that you're taking the time to think about our issue and, you know, to work with us in this way instead of coming up with a quick response just to get us out the door. So it was empowering to me, um, but it was also that confidence builder. So now I'm to a point, I have no problem saying, this is me and this is how I deal with these issues. So it's it's baby steps with that. And uh, along those same lines, it's a really great story. It's just being able to teach people about you and your style to say, like, I could give you a quick answer, but it wouldn't be my best. Can I come back to you tomorrow so I can really think this through? Because that's what you're hiring me for. Yeah, right. Do you want the good stuff or not? Well, I'm getting the signal. Right, I'm getting the signal here. But as we wrap up today, can you give us your top tip, your cautionary tale, or your words of wisdom? Maybe some thoughts for the future for all those leaders listening to us. Yeah, you know, again, going back to the thought of leadership happens in your mind. So play, please, just pay attention to your thoughts. And if you don't like your narrator, you can fire that person. You can channel a different narrator. And it's challenging your thoughts because thoughts become beliefs, become behaviors. And that's what I care about is are the thoughts that you're having directing you towards your goals, towards what it is you want in your life, you have that power to self-author. And so giving yourself the permission to do that is just one of those great ways that you can step into the role of being a stronger, more confident leader. I love it. I love that. Fire the narrator. I'm going to use that. That's just awesome. That is just awesome. Well, Angie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and for sharing your thoughts and your wisdom with all of our leaders. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me and good luck. I love what you're doing here. Thank you. You can learn more about Angie and LeadStar by visiting www.leadstar.us. That's L-E-A-D-S-T-A-R.us. You can also connect with Angie via our website at workplaceperspective.com. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspective's team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Brissoloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar. Bye.